Welcome to Wobblies and Wizards. I am your host, Logar the Barbarian, joined today by our returning guest, Shannon McMaster, author of Mages and Mooks. Welcome. Well, hello. Thank you. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well. I'm doing pretty well. I've got a quiet minute here in the house, and that's nice. Oh, that is nice. That is nice. <laughs> so Mages and Mooks is, is one of the most recent things you, you've put out here, and even putting a few things on itch in places like that. I also managed to pick up a copy of, of Forest Outlaws, which we talked about last time. Yeah, a yeah. Bit. I was, uh, I was really, I'm always grateful to see some movement on that one. <laughs> and I, I think we had a good little discussion there. I think that, that was a, that's a, that's a, that's a good little zine. Now, tell us a little bit about Mages and Mooks. How does this differ from other fantasy role-playing games? Because it, it does differ in quite a few ways. To be honest, the title came first. Mm-hmm. It's, it's in that, the title is definitely in that uh, fantasy role-playing game tradition. Of alliterative two-word titles. <laughs> like Wobblies uh, and Wizards. <laughs> like Wobblies and Wizards. That's right. Tunnels and Trolls and all the ones that go all the way back. And I was thinking one day in the summer of 2020, what if magic didn't like getting used? <laughs> but I didn't want magic to be like a resource, like the like the mana approach where you can deplete it locally and i didn't want it to be like a technology where or recipe book and i didn't want it to be like a like a being with intelligence and so what does that leave you with i don't i don't know what that leaves you with (laughs) um i was really really trying to push myself into directions about what what magic could be and i went through several iterations of ways to mechanize that dice chains and and a couple of other different things and uh, and what i really wanted to focus on was this idea that there are magic users in the world and and that was the focus and it became apparent to me that if magic doesn't like being used then it's probably pretty dangerous and if it's dangerous then the mages need people to help them and so they're 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 the mooks and they all all of those kind of ideas just sort of jumbled together and came together in a pretty pretty short period of time one afternoon and then the iterative process over the last several years a mm-hmm. couple of years of of making it come to pass mm-hmm. and although i want the game to be light i found myself in a position where um i felt like i really need to mechanize certain things like when you're watching a movie and they go and they find a wizard odds are pretty good that the wizard's not going to go into a huge dissertation about stuff it's just going to be here's a magic thing here's a spell here's a here's a thing in the magic and the and the wizard does the thing that the wizard is going to do and the magic isn't really explained but they've got they've got rings and spells and and um wands and staffs and potions and scrolls and all of those things i wanted those in the game and i didn't want them to just be sort of left up to the work of the players Right. What I wanted the players to work on was dealing with what a pain in the neck magic is, rather than what a pain in the neck it is to come up with things for the game. So I came up with a variety of of mechanical processes just to sort of, I want to avoid the word simulation, but to simulate what goes on when you see movies and TV shows and books about, about people dealing with wizards or wizards dealing with their own thing. And so it turned into a game of resource management. Oh, the mage uses magic and every time the mage uses magic there's a chance that they'll get better at it there's also a chance that the magic will kill the mage that's uh 
That's quite a trade-off. <laughs> it's quite a trade-off. And that, and that was the thing. What's the game? The game is trading off the risk versus the reward. Mm-hmm. And I, I tried to make an effort into the idea that the rewards are more likely than the risks, but that it's a pretty, it's a pretty close balance. And I would try to encourage players to realize that they could just go into a situation and say, I want to make a magical effect that does this, this, and this. And yeah. then you roll some dice and find out if it works. But if you do that, you're rolling a D6 roll with some modifiers against a D8 roll. So the the bias is that it's not going to work unless you expend some of these magic points that you can earn. Okay. And then once you've earned some magic points, or once you've cast an effect on the fly like that, then you can study the effect. There's some tables for spell components and how long it takes to cast a spell. So any mage who does like a fireball figures out then how fireball works for them. They get their own components and they get their own casting time. And so my mage's fireball spell will be different than your mage's fireball spell. Okay. I, I like that. That's pretty cool. I One of the things I noticed at the beginning was you get your build a mage. It's kind of, I guess, the place where you start to make a character. Yeah. And uh, it gives magical effects, some magical effects that can occur as opposed to like lists of spells. Uh, I'd like to I'd like to talk about that because after magical effects. You you kind of expand more on the the magic system because it's not it's not fancy and magic at all, as you've been explaining. (laughs) (laughs) Like we have things like coma and death for wielding magic rules on that. Could you expand a little bit about how how we're starting with the magical effects and where you build from there? Sure. So there were a couple of things I tried to avoid. I tried to avoid the word spell, and I think I succeeded because what we're what we're dealing with in my mind and the fiction of the game is you can wield magic and it has an effect. And so these are magical effects, but you don't really know for sure how it's going to work. So these magical effects, you as a player describe to the ref what you want to accomplish, or this could conceivably be a refless game. And you're just playing around the table with your, with your friends and everybody's either a major or a major. and you, you describe that and you roll the dice and you see if it works. And if it works, then you, you make a note so that your character later can go back and spend some time researching what that effect was. And I don't know what research that effect means. Play that out in the game table. Uh, maybe you're just sitting there meditating. Maybe you're looking through books. I don't care. Uh, but you take some time to do it. And you roll on some tables and find out how that works. And then you can write that down in your ledger. So I tried to avoid the word grimoire. And I tried to avoid the word spell book. You know, you, mm-hmm. I tried to keep it sort of very pragmatic. This is a magical effect. You're writing down the magical effect and how, how you as an individual mage achieve that effect as a set of components and whatever. Mm-hmm. And I got to a point where I thought, gosh, you know, that's fantastic. And it gives players a lot of liberty, but it's also like deer in a headlights moment. Like you can do anything. What do you want to do? I don't know what I want to do. So I thought, let's start each character with a handful of magical effects. It doesn't cost them anything. It gives them a chance to work with the spell table or the component tables and learn how the ledger system works as you're building the character out so that when you start playing, you've got a half a dozen or so things that you can do uh, with relatively low cost because you've already determined, Oh, this is uh, this is a spell. This is a spell that takes three minutes to cast, or a minute and a half to cast, or whatever it takes to cast. Or even conceivably, you could 
I wish I had thought of this before. <laughs> <laughs> I should give people some magic points to start with, too, so that they could start with a scroll or a potion or something. Uh, so I've got some work to do. Well, I thought I, I thought I had this behind me. I've got to <laughs> got to make a second edition now. <laughs> well, that can be done. That can be done. And and I want to point out this is not a uh, kickstarting or crowdfunding. This is available currently on your itch. Correct. That's correct. This is entirely my own thing. Uh, I'm a hobbyist designer, and I just make what I'm interested in. Now, I, I, I'm curious, because I'm looking at some of the stuff you have here. You got wheel, wielding on the fly, and then you got wielding from memory. It seems that there's slightly different ways to approach that, and the challenge you're trying to hit when you're trying to cast these spells, you're kind of crafting them as you go, it seems. How easy do you think this would be to append on to whatever um, fantasy role-playing game you're using as opposed to the magic system that they currently use? I think it's possible. Uh, that was something that was in my mind while I was putting this together. In fact, at one point, I was about ready to just be done and release just the magic components part of it. But uh, I felt bad for the mooks. I wanted <laughs> I wanted the mooks in the book. Um, and then in order to justify the mooks being in the book, I had to do a few more things. I had to build a mook. I had to come up with some build a mook rules. I had to come up with some behaviors for how mooks work. But to answer your question, I think the magic system could be excised from the Mages and Mooks book and and dropped into any system. You know, I would I would be really interested to see somebody wandering around paranoia, um, or even Traveler. You know, yeah. ba- bag the psionics rule from Traveler. And, uh, <laughs> well, and looking at this, it, it would be relatively. Even if you wanted to go with a slightly different dice mechanic, that the concepts are there. This is this differs from other magic systems in that it's not the Vancean magic system, and it's not really a point by system. Although it might be closer to a point by than the Vancean magic system. A little bit. Having the magic points is a resource, um, and you can spend those temporarily, or you can spend them permanently for more powerful effects. And then there is uh, there are charts and stuff, so like. Like you said, like we're trying to see what components, how to put the spell together. So you're going to probably have to seek out the components necessary to do the magic. Right. What I wanted to do with this book was strictly mechanical rules for how things uh, work mm-hmm. and leave the adventure part of it just completely silent but in my mind that is exactly what i was thinking that a lot of these adventures for these characters is going to be chasing down the components there's a rule in here that basically says uh you can't buy components mm-hmm. you've got to get them yourself or trade for them <laughs> i like that <laughs> and and that was early on that was one of the early on uh rules i came up with in order to give the mooks something to do that wasn't just like oh you know oh, i'm gonna break into some it was like the mooks have strong utility in this game because it can be really dangerous for the magic user to go out and do stuff because although magic can do anything anything that you do with magic has a chance of killing you <laughs> So send out the mooks. The mooks can have gun skills. The mooks can have arrow skills. The mooks can have thief skills. And so the mook rules are set up with a completely set of just completely different set of resolution mechanics. Well, and I say completely different, but not entirely different. There are mook points that you can earn by having successful 
attempts at things and you're rolling it's a roll under system so your your score and a certain skill goes up and in order to succeed at something you roll a d10 and if you come in under your score then you win and when you succeed then you get a chance of earning some more move points or advancing in your skill or learning a different skill because 10 points isn't that many points uh you're gonna you're gonna max out on that relatively quickly um and so what i wanted was fairly simple bookkeeping mages have more complicated bookkeeping because the magic points can go up and down unexpectedly i'd like to talk about some of the components and stuff like that here i yeah. i was excited about the about loan through pathfinder years ago when i first found it because it had all this different spell components for individual spells that this would be cool but i've yet to run into a game that does that good of bookkeeping but i've been thinking quite a bit <laughs> that i that i'd love to play a, a magic user in a game where uh things like the components and stuff like that and and, and t- tracking your spell books and the memorization where some of those rules are a little bit more adhered to interesting uh in, in a slightly more resource management type way i think this is interesting and a cool approach for what i kind of wanted to do you have the different components that have to be found you have impossible components you got herbs etc household tools mundane geology insects animals and bones really impossible components now, looking at these, like <laughs> some of these impossible components and really impossible components could be an adventure. One April snowflake. When I think of that and how to obtain that one April snowflake, my mind goes, how do you preserve that snowflake? The first thing in my cops in my mind is you've got to craft a spell to be able to get that snowflake to cast the <laughs> next spell. So, so you'd be coming up with ways to kind of this impossible task. She's like, oh, well, I might have to come up with the right kind of magic and invented on the fly to obtain the pieces to go. And it kind of, the game will perpetuate itself like that. The other thing I think of when looking at this is I've got a lot of other books that I'd, I'd love to really get into in game. And I always think about what other book am I going to use when I'm running this? Cause I usually use a stack of books when I'm running something, but mm-hmm. the herbalist primer by Anna Urbanic that came out recently would be beautiful for this as yeah. well. It's a fantastic book. And it would be cool to look at some of the things there. Cause it gives you the different, herbs and stuff like that as well as like magical things it was used for. So I'm feeling that that could work well with something like this. I think that this entire component section is probably the cool, like, I think it's really cool. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, thanks. I I enjoyed, I enjoyed putting it together. I liked coming up with, with the notion when you're doing your spell, your spell research and you're figuring out your components, you roll 2d4 and that gives you how many components you need. And then uh, it says this, you work your way. That's yeah. done like a D66 chart. So it'll be like yeah. one will be the ones and one will be the 10. So yeah. 11 through 14, 21 through 24, and so on is the way right. that it's done. Right. And uh, and I've got you know the regular components at the beginning with this idea that there's sort of this bell curve of you know, how often are you going to have to get one of the really impossible components? You know, not super often because you've got to roll a seven or an eight on a 2D4 to get there. So the idea was, oh, if you roll a two, then you get a regular component and an impossible component. And the impo- and the idea, like you exactly like you said, the idea with placing the impossible components and creating them was to spur adventure. I like that. I like that. It's, it's, it's a pretty cool approach. I like the ideas here that can be done with magic. It's very different than what we're seeing in a lot of stuff. And I think there's some cool stuff to work with here. Uh, and at the at the very least, uh, if you're not going to run mazes and mooks itself, you can use elements of this from your game. But I suggest checking it out. Go to it, well, where would they go to pick up their copy? Itch, uh, ShannonMcMaster.itch.io. Everything is there. Excellent. And where and can they find you online? 
at uh, on Twitter, Shannon McMaster. I've got a I've got a website, shannonmcmaster.com, where I do some blogging too. Excellent, excellent. It was it was it was good getting a chance to talk with you again. Thank it's good to see you too. <laughs> thank you, thank you. If you've enjoyed what you've heard here today, give us a positive review wherever you're listening. You can find us on Facebook, search Wobblies and Wizards. Wobbliesandwizards.com is our blog. I'm on Twitter and TikTok at Crom. We're on Patreon. You can use support patreon.com backslash Wobblies and Wizards. And as always, keep those dice rolling.